The Lord's got me in a couple of places here this evening. Uh, as I got up early this morning, I was I was reading, and, and you know, I'm, I'm an early bird. I, I, I love to get up and read. I sit down, just read Scripture, and it sort of gets my day started. And, and, and he had me in the book of Luke this morning. So if you would, turn to the book of Luke in the 13th chapter. And we're going to begin reading somewhere in the 20th verse and probably read through the 30th. And I pray that's where the Lord's got me preaching from tonight, but he's got me somewhere else too that, that sort of relates to this scripture that we're about to read here this evening. So uh, in the 13th chapter of the book of Luke, if you found it, please stand in reading of reference of God's word, if you will, if you're able. If you're not, God understands that, but I feel like it's just the least we can do is to show him the praise and honor and glory for what he's done for us. So in the 20th verse of the 13th chapter of the book of Luke, it reads as follows. And again he said, Whereinto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. And he went through the cities and villages, and teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one and two him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and, and shut the door, and you begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not which you are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you, I know you not which you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and shall sit down in the kingdom of God, and behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first that shall be last. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your scripture here this evening. I, I pray, Father, we could we just take it and just give you glory in all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here together tonight with your people. I pray that it touches the heart of someone here this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I read this scripture this, this morning, I sat and looked at that. I, I, I sort of I sort of locked in on the on the 23rd chapter. I'm the 23rd verse of this chapter, and it's when they ask the Lord, uh, are they few that be saved? In today's time, we, we look at our world today, and, and we know uh, we go through this, and we preach about this, and, and we're concerned about this every day of our life, wondering who is saved and who isn't saved. The question's asked, if, if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believe on that third day He, he rose from the tomb and paid the debt of our sins, uh, uh, you can be saved. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. But uh, that man asked Jesus here as he was telling him about this parable, uh, are, are, they, are, are they few that be saved? So I want to ask you tonight, church, are they few that's out there saved today? If you look at statistics... Uh, it show we're going down in our, in our church uh, congregations throughout the United States, uh, mostly here in the southeast, but we, we look at it as a Bible belt. Uh, <clears throat> we've always been looked at upon 
uh, the other parts of the United States, that's the Bible Belt. Uh, we, you might say uh, we, we worship Christ just a little bit harder than maybe some of the other places. Uh, a lot of Baptists, if you would, a lot of, a lot of Methodists, uh, uh, and a lot of other denominations here in the South. Uh, and, but they look upon us as the Bible Belt. So they look at us at, at the numbers of what we stand for when it comes to those who's worshiping Christ. And them numbers are down, to say the least. And I hate to say that. I wish I had better news for you here to see them, but it's not. But see, it's not too late. There is still time for us to turn this around if we just incorporate Christ in, in, in what we're doing for the Lord. Now, you got to understand, this is a twofold thing that, that we're doing for our church. We, we as followers of Christ, or Christians if you would, it is our utmost duty to go out to a lost and dying world and tell people about Jesus. That's our duty that he'd have us to do for him this evening. And we'd be like that old man asking Christ when he asked him, are they few be saved? Well, I don't know that answer. I know there's, there's a lot of our churches here today that, that a lot of people are claiming be saved, but see, you need to know that you know that you know that you've been saved by the marvelous grace of God. This ain't something that we need to be guessing at, in, not, in our, not in today's world. We better know that we know that you've been saved by God's marvelous grace. And you ask, well, Pastor, how do you know that? You know. It's, 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 it's not hard to explain. There's a feeling comes over you that, 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 that the Holy Spirit just uplifts you and, and it gets into your spirit and it makes you want to be with God's people. And I want you to do Christ-like things, if you would. It takes the worldly things out of, out of this old carnal body, if you would, and lays it to side and allows you to follow the, follow the ways of Christ and, and how he would want you to do if you were serving him and follow him today just like the disciples did back in days of old. Right. See, there wasn't nothing that special about the disciples. God chose them to, to follow Christ. That's right. just the way it was. And Christ was teaching them every step of the way and every, every day of that journey that he made with them disciples to, to teach them what it meant to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. He had to teach him just like we're teaching the world today. Right. You know, John the Baptist tells us, uh, go out to, and repent and, and confess the name of Jesus. He, he, Christ told his disciples to go out in a lost and dying world and preach the gospel, preach the good news, tell people about Jesus, tell the people what, what it's really all about. It's no cult that, that we belong to. and It's not something that, 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 that we feel like we have to do. It's a feel-good thing. It's something that we should be happy to be part of. If you would want to call this a club, it would be a club that everybody ought to be want to be part of, if you know what I mean. We ought to be happy and proud that we are followers of Christ and we do attend church and we do love our brothers and sisters and we are concerned about those who are sick and it does hurt us every time somebody hurts and it does help when we pray for somebody because without prayer we are nothing. Let me tell you something, through prayer we can do everything but without that we can do nothing. At least not for him anyway. In this 13th chapter, as I read that, <laughs> he said, strive to enter into the straight gate. Well, the cross is telling us right there that, that listen, the straight gate is the narrow gate, amen? And knowing it's, going, it's hard to get, get through that narrow gate, but, but it's, it can be done if, if you just confess the name of Christ. What is he tells us? There's only one way to heaven, and that's to his Father, and that's through Christ Jesus. So we have got to enter in through the straight gate and the narrow gate. In, in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, I'm going to read this right face. It says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is gate and broad is the way, which leadeth to destruction, and many that which are at a threat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way, which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. Few there 
be that find it. In other words, there's not too many people that enters in through that straight gate. So how are we getting into the kingdom of heaven if we're not entering in through the straight gate? It's got to be through the blood of Jesus with, with nothing else. And as we read this right here, we look at this in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. It gives us several different ways. And it talks about the two different ways of, of, of knowing Christ and what He means to us in our life. But in the 21st verse, it ties into what that gentleman asked the Lord earlier in the, in the book of Luke. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So that plainly tells me here this evening, church, that not everybody that claims to know Christ from the free pardon of sins is going to get into heaven. Now, listen, I don't make this up. This is, this is straight out of the Bible. Good King James Version, uh, uh, 1611. Uh, There's something we preached out of all of our lives and we continue to preach out of. Uh, but he tells us not everybody that confesses the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can get into heaven. In the footnotes, I was reading down here and looking through here, making my notes out. It says, not everyone professing Christ is generally, generally saved. Now, what does that tell us as, as a church? And when I say the church, I mean the church, the whole church that we, that we look at that's in today's time. Not everyone that attends these churches and claims to be saved is going to heaven. Now, why is that? A lot of times in today's Time, if you would, uh, we had that feel-good salvation. And, and we know that goes on in a lot of our churches today. Uh, you can't help it. That's just the way things is. Uh, they get wrapped up in a moment, if you would, in praise and worship. Uh, and and it's something that touches their heart. Uh, and, and they just got to confess the name of Jesus. Uh, but but, the, but the, does God really touch their heart during that time? Does he, does, he, does he prick them in a way that it needs to be pricked? Uh, has it been set back there knowing that they fell under conviction uh, uh, several different times in their life, knowing that that's something that they need to do if they want to go to heaven? Amen? If it's something that... Uh, are they white-knuckled back there holding on and doing their utmost best and not getting up and having to go to the altar when the pastor or the preacher gives the altar call? Have they been through that point in their lives knowing that they have got to go through this process confessing the name of Jesus before they can be saved? Do they know that? Do they, or do they genuinely know that they've been saved? Most likely not. Not everybody. And see, that's why I come to you tonight with this simple message. And Brother Chris, the title of this message is simply this. Who do we pray for? Who do we pray for? The Scripture tells us that uh, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So who do we pray for? Do we pray for those who, who thinks that they're saved or believes that they're saved, but actually they're not saved? Do we pray for them that, that, they're, that they're living in a lost and dying world and don't understand it? Have they, have they missed out on the point of knowing that the, there's a certain way to get through heaven, get to heaven, that's through Christ Jesus our Lord? Do they know that? Do we pray for them? Or do we pray for those who, who, who respectively and, 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 and specifically denies the name of God? I was watching a show the other night on TV, and it just—it aggravates me when this comes on and this happens. But they was talking about Jesus and God. They was going to church that Sunday morning, and they was one of the members of the family that that refused to go. 
And they was giving him a pretty hard time, just like we would do, Carolyn, if it was one of our own children. And, and, and they was wanting to know, why don't you want to go to church? Why don't you go to church with us? And they kept hounding him for an answer, and he wouldn't give them an answer. So he, they kept poking at him and, and aggravating him and just, just continued on and on and on and on and aggravating. And finally, he gave him an answer. It was simply this. He says, I don't believe in God. That's why I don't go to church. I don't believe in God. Of course, that family was devastated knowing that they were a Christian-like based family that believed in God and, and, and he gave his son Christ Jesus <coughs> for the remission of our sins. So you can about imagine how devastated that family was when they heard that that particular member of their family up and just blurted out, I don't believe in God. It was, they upset him in a whole way. So I want to look at this evening. I want to ask you one more time. How few shall be saved? How few shall be saved? You know, I think that we have work to do for our Heavenly Father. I believe that. I believe that's why we're here tonight. I believe we've got work to do to bring glory to His name. I believe that with all my heart. I believe there's a message out there for the world to hear. I believe they need to hear that we're in a lost and dying world. And it ain't getting no better, it's getting worse. There's work for us to do in that category, amen. And there's stuff going on in our world today that we need to get just a little bit better at. I'm telling you, in this category, we're stinking real bad, Brother Clarence. We're just not addressing the issues about this thing that's going on in the world today like we need to as God's children. We're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Well, excuse me. I get offended every day. But that's just the way it is. Because I know when I hit my knees and I pray for those that who are lost and are out here in a dying world and just living a life that don't care, I pray for them every day, hoping that somehow that God can touch your heart. Yes. Because it's going to take that touch from heaven right. to make it work. Yeah, we can preach to these people and we can talk to these people and we can uplift these people and tell them just how good our God is and, and tell them what Christ done for us and we can tell them all about the Bible and, and how it makes you feel good when you sit down and when you just you and the Lord and sit and reads it and how good that is but until they get that touch from heaven they're not going to understand it right. our children today are are going through such a hard time in, 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 I guess, in life. And I'm not just going to say just schools, but in life. In our schools today, uh, we would be absolutely astonished at what goes on in the schools today. We would be absolutely terrified to know what goes on in our schools than what it was back when we went to school. And, it's, and it was different then for our fathers and, and so on and so on. I dread to see the next 25 years uh, when, when, when our next generation comes about. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Eugene coming up the road and we was talking about his grandson, Bradley. And he said, Keith, pray for Bradley if you would. He said, uh, he, he's one of these children that sits and plays these games all the time. Hey, that's, man, that's today's world. You hate to say it, but it is. Uh, most, of, most of the children today, uh, if they have a phone, uh, their nose is in it 60% of the time. Now, there is still some obedient parents out there that draws a line when it comes to the phone, and, and, and that's where it needs to be. There needs to be rules set. 
Because if there's those rules set for our children to go by, they don't know what to do. What is it Solomon tells us in Proverbs? Train your child when they're young, and they'll know what to do when they get old. But if we leave them out here unattended, or we don't pay no attention to them, or we just turn them loose into this old world, let me tell you something, old Satan's going to grab hold of them. The first chance he gets, he's going to get a hold of them. And when he does, there ain't going to be no more rules. There ain't going to be nothing you can do with your children. They're going to grow up, and they're going to do what they want to do. Do. And there ain't nothing that we can say as parents or as grandparents or as great-grandparents that's going to make any difference. They'll lead you to believe that they're listening to what you're saying. But when Satan gets a hold of them, it's going to take more than a job to get them out of it. It's going to take Jesus in heaven. It's got to take Christ to be the foundation of all that we do. <laughs> he tells us uh, here in, in, in the seventh chapter of Matthew where, where man built, built his house on sand and how the water would come and just wash the foundation away. But the man that built on a solid rock, let me tell you something, it's still standing today. Amen. Oh, when you can get on that solid rock, what a difference it makes. When, like I told you, preached before, when we was building these big buildings down at UT, we drilled 100 foot holes. They called them caissons, if you would till we got down to solid rock and then we get on solid rock we drill down with an inch and a half rock bit and if we were in ten full of solid rock that was good rock, amen and then we could pull that case on and that's what our building set on well you need to look at your life your cross life the same way you have got to get on the foundation with him one on one and when you can get on that foundation and you can profess the name of Jesus and stand in front of your peers and tell them that you love Jesus from the bottom of your heart and know that you've got that foundation it'll stand through any storm that you go through any storm brother Ray and there ain't nothing in this world is going to tear it down will, will, will the winds blow you? yes they will and will we be in valleys? sure we will we're going to be in valleys that's just the way it is but Christ tries to prepare us for that we're going to be in valleys in our life but praise God you've got to get to the valleys to go to the mountain amen and when you get up there it's a better perspective if you've been down in the valley when you're up on that mountain you can see just a little bit clearer because if you've not been in the valleys you have no idea how hard it is and it don't matter how strong your faith is, it's tough. No matter how hard it is, it's tough. When somebody loses a child, it tests your faith. It don't matter how good of a man of God you are, if you lose a child or a grandchild or something... As sickness falls upon your children or your grandchildren, that's when your faith is tested. And what is it? The Apostle Paul writes, faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. And hope, our hope, faith, hope, and love is what we base all of our Christian life on. And if we've got faith, hope, and love, we'll get His grace. Read today God's grace for His people was Jesus. He's our grace, Brother Ray. And no matter, no matter how, how often we draw from that well, there's always going to be an abundant amount of it. We'll never pull it dry. That, that, so that'll be a bank account that, that we can draw from from here to eternity. 
and they'll still be something in it when we leave this old world. Let me tell you something. Grace is something that, that will uplift you in your time of need. Grace is something that will, will, will be there for you when you need somebody there to, that you can lean on. Grace will be there for you when at your hardest times if you'll just lean and depend on the one that gave you that grace. He tells us that, he tells us to beware of false prophets. The world's got a few of them in them today. I don't know how many. I, I'll be honest with you. I've seen those that I thought were false prophets, but can't say for sure. So I can't say that I've ever seen one, but the Bible speaks about them. Amen? And he tells us to beware of them. Now, this, this is Christ talking to his disciples. Just right after he come off the mountain, he said, said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. In other words, they just extremely hungry in all that they do. Well, see, that's how Satan is when, when he spots you and he finds you at your weakest time. That's what he is. He knows that he can devour you just like a lion. And that's what the Scripture tells us. He's like a roaring lion that's waiting to devour you any time that he can. And he will if, if you let down your guard. And we let down our guard at our weakest time. That's just the way it is. That's, that's carnal body's going to do that. And, and we can't help it as, as, as a carnal man, but, but through the faith... And through the love of Jesus Christ, he can give us strength to help us get through it in our time of need if we depend on him. See, one thing that he needs us to do is talk to him. You know, there's nothing hard about talking to God. We've talked about that. It's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, with you and him. You don't have to be good at it. The youngest child can pray with the best of them. Now, yeah, there may be some people that, can, that, can, that, that are righteous prayers and, 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 and they can approach the throne of grace with, with integrity, but you don't have to be that good to talk to God. The youngest child, if they can even, even speak or think, can talk to our Heavenly Father because he's listening. Now, some of us may get confused and think, well, I've prayed to him a long time and I just tell you, I've not just seen no results. That's just the way it is. See, where the confused is, they want it to be on their time and not God's time. And that's the problem with a world today. We're to live in a world today that we want everything to happen right then. We don't have time to wait. We're not patient no more. Patience is a virtue. You'll read that many times in the Scripture, and it is. He would have us to be patient and when we ask for things from God in heaven. But we don't do that. And when, we don't, when we're not patient... Our, our, we, we fall astray and we fall away from what we're asking for. We ask prayer requests here for so many here this evening. We do that for a reason. We ask prayer requests for somebody because, A, we probably know them, and two, they, they mean something to the church and to ourselves and to our hearts, and, and, and three, we know how good it is to pray for somebody. Do you have any idea in the world today of how many people that's never been prayed for? Think about it. How many people do you know that's never been prayed for? Look at this world throughout the whole United States. Uh, uh, Chris and I have traveled to the Philippines two or three times for mission work. Do you understand and realize the people today that's alive, drawing breath uh, from, from, from God in heaven, knowing that, that they've never been prayed for? How would you like to be one of them? Nobody ever prayed for you. It's a sad place, wouldn't it? Well, what does it look like, Pastor, when somebody prays for you? Here I am. I know my mom and dad say, you're in this church of me, and I pray for me. 
praying that I would somehow find my way back to church and, and it could, could, could get on a uh, one-on-one relationship with a Father in Heaven. Uh, uh, and they prayed that, I know, night after night, day after day, uh, every time that the doors were open and, and I wouldn't hear, I know uh, that it was right on their lips that they was praying that one day, one day, and see, they didn't do it on mom dad's time. God done it on his time. But you know something, Gene? It was the right time. It was the right time. And, and he knew that. And, and, and God knew that when he'd go through the process of getting me back in church and my family, uh, he knew what the reward was going to be. And he knew what my reward was going to be. And that was my mom and dad spending time in heaven. Receiving the reward that he had promised them if they would just stay obedient in their faith one day they'll be with him in heaven be in the presence of the Lord. This last two years I have said goodbye to two of my closest friends. Uh, deacons that I've served with at other churches. And, and it's hard to tell them goodbye but you know I wouldn't ask them to be back for nothing. You know I, I, I sort of I sort of sit back and think at times and, and you shouldn't think all the time but sometimes you can't help it but you think about how did Lazarus feel when he was dead them four days? How do you think he felt? You know it was in the presence of the Lord. But when Christ brought him back, what did that feel like, do you think? The Bible don't speak much about that, so we don't know. We could speculate a little bit and say they was a little bit aggravated. I'd say when he unwrapped him from, from all the sackcloth that was around him, I'd say the first thing he'd ask Jesus, why did you do that? I was with your father. See, he went and done with him here. And Christ had to use Lazarus to show the world that there was a son of God. One of the things that he did as he walked his earth to persuade people of who he was. See, healing the blind and causing the deaf to hear and the lame to walk seemed like that wasn't enough. People still couldn't grasp the concept that this man named Jesus was doing godly things. They just didn't understand. So, so he had to, had to do something that people could understand and know that when Lazarus laid in that tomb, all that he did, and when Christ went up there and told Lazarus to arise and come forward, and he walked out that tomb, they understood just exactly what they were in the presence of that very day. Right. They were in God's yeah. presence. Christ walked this earth for 33 and a third years. His ministry was about three years. And he still had trouble convincing those that followed him who he was. You know, I, I, I could see that today in today's world. If, if, if Christ could, could, could just bless us with his appearance here today and, and he started another missionary journey, if you would, and people would start following him and, 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 and the people that would follow him would be, would be huge crowds. Do you think they all would believe what they would see? They should. We're not ignorant. We're not, the Apostle Paul says that he would have us not to be ignorant. And that's just the way it is. We know by Scripture where it was back before when Christ walked this earth. We know how this story ends. We know that we're winners in the end. We're not going to lose this fight. We win at the end of this book, whether you believe it or not. We're heaven bound if you believe in Christ Jesus. If you've been saved by the marvelous grace of God, you ain't got no worries, Carolyn. Yeah, you may have some rough roads when you're here on this earth, but that's okay. We'll deal with them. But one thing about it, your reward's in heaven. 
heaven. Amen. And I'm going to say that everybody here tonight, if you've been saved by God's marvelous grace, your reward is in heaven. And one day, it's forthcoming to every one of us, and there's no need to be ashamed of it, because one day, we're going to stand in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. That's why we believe what we believe, that we're only passing through this old world right here. We're here for a short time. And there's not a thing that we're going to accumulate here in this world that's going to mean nothing when we get to heaven except our faith and what we believe when it comes to His Son. Our monies, our possessions, uh, whatever that we have, that's no good. Don't mean nothing. Write a check and put it in your casket and send it with you, but hey, hey, there's no horse up there to cash it, let me tell you. The reward that we're going to look forward to is no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more aches, no more COVID, no more flu, no more cancer. Can you imagine what that's going to feel like when we get to heaven, when, when nobody's sick anymore? What a blessing it's going to be. And I don't know if I'm going to recognize people up there, Brother Ray. The Scripture don't tell me that, but I'll be with their spirit. Amen. My spirit and their spirit is going to be in the same place. And no matter how it's going to play out, we're going to be in the presence of Almighty Jesus Christ. And because of the bloodstained banner that He raised when He went to that cross of Calvary and shed the blood for each and every one of us, we have that God given right to be in his presence if we accept his holy name and all that we do. So who do we pray for? Who do we pray for? We can sit down and make a list of things that we need to pray for or what we need to pray for. But I got the answer to that, believe it or not. Who do we pray for? We pray for each other, Kyle. We pray for each other. And if we pray for each other, we've won the battle. There's no principalities of this old world is going to do anything to us or against us that God in heaven is not going to defeat if we pray for each other. Right, amen. That's who we pray for. For those who think that they're saved and they're not really. We need to pray for them that somehow God touches their heart before it's too late. Because the devil is, is full of these old people. And they think that they've been saved and, and what a disappointment that's going to be when they enter into the gates of heaven. Oh, oh, St. Peter, don't let them in. And think about the ones that don't believe. We need to pray for them for sure. Hell's boundaries are broadening every day. And it's left up to us to do something about it. Ray, we need to be telling people about Jesus. We need to tell them, we need to uplift His name and all that we do. If you're on Facebook, you know you see people post stuff about Jesus and, and, and heaven and stuff all the time. But it needs to go further than that. We need to be praying for them people. We need to be, we need to be praying for each other. If we can lift each other up in prayer, that's the best thing in the world we could do. And we're doing God's grace when we do that. What was it, Melba? Some here sang one Sunday morning to us. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. Oh, yeah. what a wonderful song that was. I'll never forget that as long as I live. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. When you lay your head down tonight, when you go to bed, pray for somebody. Speak their name. God's going to hear you. 
You may think he won't, but he will. Yeah, you don't have to go in your closet like some, the Bible speaks about. Just earnestly and fervently pray from your heart. Pray for all these that's been sick. We've lost loved ones because this virus just went around here in the last couple of years. It's still here. It's here with us to stay. Unfortunately, I'm afraid. We need to pray for those who's got it, that God gives them strength to get through it. Because it'll attack you in a way that nothing else ever attacks you before. Pray for those who's lost. That God somehow touches their hearts. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people was astonished at his doctrine. At his doctrine. At his doctrine. Not man's doctrine. That won't get you nothing. And as if, if you see the world through these eyes, the way I see, there's a lot of false doctrines out here in the world today. Heard a man preach Sunday morning that, that it's not Christ-like to be obese. That don't belong behind the pulpit, church. That ain't what this is about. God will fix this. But he's promised me a glorified body when I'm out of this one. And that's what I'm waiting for. Amen. That's what he's promised. He says the dead, the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we'll, go, we'll join him later. And we're all promised that glorified body. Praise be Jesus. Dean, I need one to be honest with you. Those are aches and pains. The older I get, the worse they're getting. And, and if they're not attacked you yet, get in line. <laughs> it's a coming. For he taught them, though as one having authority, and not as the scribes. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees did not appreciate a bit Christ uh, teaching his doctrine to the Jews and those Gentiles that would listen. But God had a plan. He had a plan. Church, he's got a plan today. And if we just follow that plan, and be obedient in watching out for that plan. We can be part of that plan. We can be part of that plan. Let's rise, please. So who do we pray for? Pray for each other. Lord, that's the least we can do. And if you don't have anything to pray about, pray for me. I desire your prayers. I really do. Pray for Kathy. We desire your prayers. Listen, the old principalities of this world is out there just waiting to knock us down every time we stand up. Clarence, you know that. You've been a pastor. You're still a ordained minister. You know this whole world will knock you down if you let it. Hey, listen, you got to get a step up or lip. Stay the course. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. Be in season, out of season. That's right. If you are, you'll pass any test.